Chapter Thirteen of the Queen's Necklace by Alexander Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The One Hundred Louis of the Queen. Now, we have introduced the principal characters of this history to our readers, and have taken them both into the Petite Maison of the Comte d'Artois and into the King's Palace at Versailles. We will return to that house in the Rue Saint Claude, where we saw the Queen enter incognito with Mademoiselle Andrea de Tavernay. We left Madame de Lamotte, counting over and delighted with her fifty double louis, next to the pleasure of having them, she knew no greater than that of displaying them. And having no one else, she called Dame Clotilde, who was still in the antechamber. When she entered, "'Come and look here,' said her mistress. "'Oh, madame!' cried the old woman, clasping her hands in astonishment. "'You were uneasy about your wages?' said the countess. "'Oh, madame, I never said that. I only asked madame if she could pay me, as I had received nothing for three months.' "'Do you think there is enough here to pay you?' "'Oh, madame, if I had all that, I should be rich for the rest of my life. But—' in what will madame spend all that in everything the first thing i think madame will be to furnish the kitchen for you will have good dinners cooked now listen said madame de lamotte someone knocks i did not hear it said the old woman but i tell you that i did so go at once she hastily gathered up her money and put it into a drawer, murmuring, "'Oh, if Providence will but send me another such a visitor!' Then she heard the steps of a man below, but could not distinguish what he said. Soon, however, the door opened and Clotilda came in with a letter. The countess examined it attentively and asked, "'Was this brought by a servant?' "'Yes, madame.' "'In livery?' no madame i know these arms surely said jean to herself who can it be from but the letter will soon show for itself and opening it she read madame the person to whom you wrote will see you to-morrow evening if it be agreeable to you to remain at home for that purpose and that was all i have written to so many people thought the countess. Is this a man or a woman? The writing is no guide, nor is the style. It might come from either. Who is it that uses these arms? Oh, I remember now, the arms of the Rohans. Yes, I wrote to Monsieur de Guermenet and to Monsieur de Rohan. It is one of them, but the shield is not quartered. It is therefore the cardinal. Ha! Huh. Monsieur de Rohan, the man of gallantry, the fine gentleman, and the ambitious one. He will come to see Jeanne de Lamotte, if it be agreeable to her. Oh, yes, Monsieur de Rohan, it is very agreeable. A charitable lady who gives a hundred louis may be received in a garret, freeze in my cold room, and suffer on my hard chair, but a clerical prince, a lady's man, that is quite another thing. We must have luxury to greet him. Then, turning to Clotilde, 
who was getting her bed ready, she said, "'Be sure to call me early tomorrow morning.' And when she did retire to rest, so absorbed was she in her expectations and plans that it was nearly three o'clock before she fell asleep. Nevertheless, she was quite ready when Dame Clotilda called her according to her directions early in the morning, and had finished her toilet by eight o'clock. Although this day it consisted of an elegant silk dress, and her hair was elaborately dressed. She sent Clotilda for a coach, and ordered the man to drive to the Place Royale, where, under one of these arcades, was the shop of Monsieur Fingray, an upholsterer and a decorator, and who had furniture always ready for sale or hire. She entered his immense showrooms, of which the walls were hung with different tapestries, and the ceiling completely hidden by the number of chandeliers and lamps that hung from it. On the ground were furniture, carpets, and cornices of every fashion and description. End of chapter 13 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia